This podcast is brought to you from Chris's Basement, where dreams do come true. Wait, that means we'll suddenly be transported back to sixth grade, giving that speech in class in her underwear with supermodels around our arms watching giant robots fight in space. Okay, well, maybe dreams don't come true down here. But anyway, uh, Chris, Ben, uh, let's start the show. Saturday, February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, and we're all still alive, so I guess we didn't mess up too badly with our significant others yesterday, because we are all still here. But welcome to Talkin' Rock in the Basement, where we do exactly that. We release new episodes every Sunday at 8 a.m. on SoundCloud. Today on this episode, we're going to talk about Black Sabbath's debut album, which celebrates 50 years, as well as the mysterious girl on the album cover, which is finally identified. We also talk about a Paul Simon collaborator who died this past week. We'll talk about who he was and how his work helped Paul Simon uh, record an album that uh, received two Grammy and three hit singles. We're also, and Lindsey Buckingham reemerges with a tour as well as ZZ Top and Def Leppard. So jumping right in, um, Black Sabbath uh, debut album celebrates 50, uh, it celebrates its 50th birthday on Thursday. Um, it's regarded as the record that gave birth to heavy metal. Um, it's faced scrutiny over the years uh, for the, the way it sounds, but also for the for the album cover, which uh, features a woman clad in black in a it's standing in the middle of a pond, basically. Um, but the woman on the cover has finally been revealed after all this time as Lindsay Livingstone. Um, Keith Mc, McMillan was the photographer, and he said she was a great person to work with. She's very petite, which made everything around her look very big. Um, yeah, she was very short. Yeah. Um, but so she was 18 or 19 at the time, and all that she had to say was she remembers getting up at like 4 in the morning for the shoot, <laughs> yeah. and it was cold as shit. You don't, you don't forget those two <laughs> yeah. things. We're, um, we're recording this one late at night, yeah. so I'm not going to remember this episode. No, no good. No. Um, but uh, so this play, it was shot at the Maple Durham Watermill in Oxford. Uh, and you can still visit that place. Uh, it's kind of revamped, and they kind of modernized it. But at the time, it was super run down. Right. The, the picture looks like like a medieval time. Exactly. Like it's set. Like, they found this picture in like the 1600s, 1700s. Yeah, it was super run down. It looked very eerie and spooky. It's, it's, it's a very gothic, you know, kind of like a metal yeah. album. So this cover really... Really fits it really um, well. Yeah, and it was funny. She was saying that she remembers Keith running around with like dry ice, like throwing <laughs> it in the pond to try to get like like smoke. And he, uh, she was also saying that uh, he used uh, the photographer. Yeah, the photographer. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, um, he was using, using like a fog machine trying to. And yeah. then when they took the picture, like none of it really showed up. <laughs> um, yeah, that's 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 the true of life. Things yeah, do not go according to plan. But um, f- uh, so Livingston admits that she's not a huge Black Sabbath fan. <laughs> she said, uh, "I listened to the album and then uh, moved on." <laughs> but um, that's cool. She wasn't looking for any royalties. Though. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, an eighteen-year-old girl just doing a job. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> doing a modeling gig. This will be fun. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool to be a part of such a you know famous, well-known yeah. album. You know, their debut album to yeah. this big band who. It was just you know touring up until recently, and now like a lot. I mean, a lot of those album covers like that, where they single, you know, they they show one single person prom. Like uh, 
Blake One Eight Two's album, Animal of the State. Yeah, uh, I forgot her name, but like there's the, the Mother's Milk album. Yeah, the, the her, well, yeah. the she's like the sexy nurse. Yeah, on Animal of the State. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so so yeah, Black Sabbath, which is their debut album, uh, it took one day to record, which is pretty interesting. Um, and then it was it was significant because it was so so different from anything else at the time. Um, no one had super morbid lyrics like they did. Um, yeah, the band Anthrax wasn't around then, yeah, no. or Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> um, but interesting enough, while I was looking this up, so Sabbath uh, started out under the name Polka Took Blues Company mm. um, in 1968. Uh, and it was a combo of two different brand- bands. Uh, one of them was Mythology, which had Tony Iommi, who was the guitar player, and Bill Ward, who was the drummer. And then Rare Breed, uh, where Ozzy Osbourne came from, and the bassist Geezer Butler. Which I didn't know, which is kind of cool. And uh, so, who, what was the total lineup for Black Sabbath for this album? Do you have that? It was so it was it was those four guys. Those four guys, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and I'll talk about it later. But they tried bringing in other musicians and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and it just didn't work. Yeah, it's having a band. It's not just about the four or five best musicians. Yeah. Like chemistry, you have to you know get along with each other. And, and it was cool because they recognized that. Mm-hmm. And even as like a starting band, a lot of times they'll just you know a band will be like, yeah, we'll take whatever. We'll you know, sure if you want to change this lyric or change this melody or something. Yeah, as long as we get to record. They were like, no, we're not about this. Like this isn't us. And and because um, they did they did do a few recording sessions and they were just like. The engineers were just like dicks or something. They're like, "Yeah, well, you know, we're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do it anymore." Well, it reminds me of that Metallica documentary. I think it's some kind of monster. Oh yeah, off the Saint Anger two thousand three album, which is not one of their best albums, but <laughs> it was a crazy documentary because it was about the album was about the documentary is about making this album, and it just turned it into the band just falling apart. Oh, and the bassist, oh, really? like he just quit the band, so they had to try all these bassists, and he's like phenomenal bass players who mm. you know hired guns basically and all those other bands but then they're playing with the rest of metallica guys and they just sound terrible and it just oh, does no. not flow until they found their right guy and immediately you know it just clicked and it worked and you can just tell even it was like somebody it just i, I don't know much about like these how bands form just seeing this like that guy works and they're like yeah. this guy works on man he's the guy's been in the band well, it's like it's like uh, it, uh tom petty finding ben montench like you know yeah. Like, like, hey, we're going to go play a concert. I don't know any of the songs. It's like, well, just come play with us. You know, and they, right. they played for like two hours. And they were yeah. just like, yeah, this guy killed it. They, they all have the same rhythm, you know. It's yep. yeah. it's even more so because it's a job. Uh, if you don't have a rhythm with someone at your job, it's, you know, yeah. you're not going to go along very well. But this, this is music, you this know. Is not, not rhythm matters work. a lot. Literal rhythm. <laughs> Literal rhythm. <laughs> but the know? bassist for uh, Metallica I was talking about, Robert Trujillo. Trujillo. Hello. I don't know how to say his name. Another biggest Metallica guy, but um, mm-hmm. no, is they call him the new guy, but he's been in over twenty years. And it just the new he guy. just clicks. Um, but so all this was taking place in Birmingham, and Birmingham was kind of the hot spot for heavy blues bands, which is kind of cool. Uh, and the only real rock venue was um, Henry's Blues uh, Pub in Birmingham, and that was so that was run by Jim Simpson. Who uh, became Black Sabbath's uh, manager, band manager, mm-hmm. um, and so they uh, would play like forty-five minute sets, um, and they only knew. I think they only had like five or six songs in their cachet. So they would. So you like mentioned like that album has a lot of guitar solos and drum solos. So that's what they would do to fill the time. Is they had to learn how to play extended versions of these songs. 
Um, because, you know, I, I think a lot of their songs are three, four minutes or, or you know, just normally. And so, you know, you run, you know, you run through five songs, it's you know, 20 minutes, you still got 25 minutes to fill. So, um, filling up that time is, is pretty important. Um, Right, the, like Chris said, that first that first album is just full of guitar solos. Yeah. So you got like some yeah, because it's only five songs. songs on it. Yeah, right. It's just some really long songs that really just jam and really enjoying it. Um, but that, that, that's pretty typical of the the time period too. You know, you have yeah. Grateful Dead, um, other groups as well. Um, but uh, so um, Ayami actually was recruited by Jethro Tull, so they lost him okay. for a little while. Um, and he did like one TV performance with Jethro Tull and then recorded a few tracks um, and then came back. He was like, yeah, it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, they actually had to change their they So they changed their, they had, their name was uh, the Pocatuck uh, Blues Company. And then they changed it to Earth. Um, and before they did that, they had two other guys um, that Jim Sitson kind of hung out with. Um uh, that weren't mentioned <laughs> by name, but they they had left mm-hmm. um, when they changed to Earth, and they, they both of them were pretty heavy blues players and jazz players, which is which is interesting to see that like a band like Black Sabbath came from a place where like blues and jazz was really really big. I mean that's really how rock and roll started. Yeah, that's how um, it all really came about. Uh, but uh, so they changed their name to Earth, um, and so they. Uh, they started playing more local shows and the locals loved them. The locals were like shows were selling out. They really liked them, but the record companies did not. They were like, this is just too weird. What do they know? Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, the songs weren't commercial enough is that they were saying. I, I could, I could agree with that. Yeah. Um, there's so that, no, there's nothing wrong with that. No. And Jim, well, so Jim Simpson yeah. thought that, uh, the way to do that was to bring out outside writers or ghost writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they brought in Neil uh, Neil Ham, um, which did not work. They wrote he wrote the Rebel for the band. They recorded it. And they just didn't like the way it sounded. They didn't like um, they didn't really like working with with other people. Is that a song, the Rebel? Yeah. So the Rebel is so it's it, you won't find it under Black Sabbath. They, so they recorded it under the name Earth. Okay. Mm. But that is it's one of the most that explains it. Yeah. So they ineptitude on this they were, topic. Yeah, they were looking at uh, like if you look it up, it's like this is the Black Sabbath album, uh, a song to mm-hmm. you know to listen to. But they recorded it under the name Earth. Um, Earth. A yeah. Hard F. <laughs> Earth. Earth. Wind and Fire. Yeah. But they, so they had to change their name. From Earth, because there's another band in Birmingham named Earth, and that band was doing better than their band. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I really care about the name Earth. Yeah, Black Sabbath uh, is like it's not going with their lyrics. No, or, yeah. or whole feel or Black anything. Sabbath. That's just the phenomenal. But Geezer, yeah. uh, Geezer was the one who suggested the name Black Sabbath, and he actually suggested the name for one of their songs that mm-hmm. they had written. Um, which, which is a song. Yeah, and so they ended the number up number one track on the first album, yeah, Black they, Sabbath. They yeah. up, they, uh, they ended up um, it just it adopting that name, um, and he named it after a uh, a horror movie during the time. Around, it, it came around like 1963. Mm. That was super popular. Um, I just mm. thought they were trying to bring down the holiness of the Sundays, the Sabbath, or whatever day is the Sabbath to you. Uh, Bring him down. Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. 
Yeah, it's a pretty Devil dark. worshippers. Yeah, it's a pretty dark. It's like you know, mm-hmm. oh, 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 like you're in a band. What's your band? Oh, Black Sabbath. It's like, like oh, oh, okay. okay. I wonder what uh, you guys sing. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, under the new name Black Sabbath, they tried to record songs and they just didn't like the way it sounded. Uh, and the biggest thing is they they kept clashing with with the engineers as far as um, they kept trying to change their sound because I mean they're they're it's pretty dark and grungy and and as they said morbid. So you're saying the studio executives yeah. or they're trying to change the original yeah. Black Sabbath sound. Um, and so no one was going to pick them up. But Jim Simpson made a deal with Tony Hall, who was a one-time producer and a jazz critic in Birmingham. Uh, and Hall gave the band a thousand pounds. I hope everybody's paying attention because we got a quiz at the end of all these <laughs> names. If you don't know, you're effed. But, uh, so Hall gave the band a thousand pounds and each Remember, he got $100 to pay off debts, and then that £600 that was left over went to making the album. Um, and they, they, so they reco- the, That's more than $600. I don't yeah. know what, I don't know what pounds, that is. Pounds? Pounds is worth more than the dollar. So I, I don't know what the exchange rate is I have back no then. idea. Yeah. But, uh, we'll get, we'll yeah. get to the back of that, guys. We'll get back to you. <laughs> okay, we'll get on top of this. Uh, yeah. Start crunching the numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, get on it. <laughs> right away, boss. Um, but they, so they recorded at the Regent Sound, um, studios in London. Uh, they recorded it in one day and they were super, so back then it's a little bit more lenient now, but if you don't own it, you know, if you're a band and you don't own your own label, mm-hmm. you have to pay for recording. And I mean, it, you can record at a different studio. You can record in your, in a basement. <laughs> How much? I mean, I, I don't have to pay you that much. No, it's no, only, no. only it's, a, uh, it's only, a pretty good fee, yeah. Chris. F- five pizza bites, five uh, bagel bites an yes, hour. Yeah, I can afford that. Well, actually, uh, I can't, but uh, we make it work. No, we get no by. good. Yeah, you can't record today. Ben bankrolls this. Yeah. yeah, Ben is the money guy. <laughs> Ben's the account. Ben's the payroll guy. Yeah. Um, but so it was super strict back then, and and nowadays it's like. I would like to rent for two hours. And in that two hours, I have all the equipment at my disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, if I need to hire a sound engineer or a guy to mix or anything like that, I can do that. Um, but then they were super, super strict. Um, so they recorded everything. Um, Roger Bain and Tom Allum were the two engineers that helped record them. Mm. Uh, and uh, they had were almost out of time. Ozzy asked to do additional vocals, and he was told to... That time was up and to fuck off. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ozzy took that yeah. well. Um, Bite one of their heads off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they weren't a bat. Yeah. So Jim Simpson said, because uh, they were going to go play a show in Switzerland. And he said, hey, on your way to catch the to catch the ferry to Switzerland, stop by Regent Sound and they'll record your record. So they were given one day's notice. Mm. Um, but then all the mixing, all the editing and everything was done after they had left. So they had, yeah. they, they, they were like, all right, you're done. Get out. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll do the rest. Um, and they, the first time they heard the song was when it was released. The first, heard that yeah. it was really was when it was released. Yeah, um, it's pretty nuts. And also, they were saying they also didn't have any say in how it was released, um, in, in what order the songs were in or anything like that, um, because the two sound, uh, the label did that. Not even the sound engineers did that because the sound engineers that are funny. They were saying we probably would have put the songs in complete different order and who knows how well that would have gone because black sabbath I, th- I think is the title track on it it is yeah yeah first track yeah and that kind of is a mellow song compared to some of the others so that kind of introduces you into the band but they were saying they were, they wanted to put um oh 
Oh man, I can't remember the song. But. So I got the tracks right here, Chris. Um, the single was uh, "The Wizard," the single for that. Oh yeah, yeah. So they album. want they wanted to put the uh, warning as a, as a as the first track. Oh okay, that uh, warning. Yeah, but um, but then they said, I mean, you know, the album blew up. I did really well, and um. It sounded just like that. Uh, Jim Simpson, when he told Tom, Tony, um, Tony, uh, that it's on the charts. Tony, it's on the charts. <laughs> Tony was, Tony was like, "Get out of here!" Like you know, get out. Leave <laughs> 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 right now. Uh, it's the end of you and me. Uh-oh. Oh damn, Ben. <laughs> That's enough. Of that. That's enough. Yeah. Yes. Yes, boss. Yes, boss. Um. But no, it's kind of cool, and it's it's always really cool to to read about these stories because Black Sabbath is huge now. I mean, they've been huge for a while, and this album is fifty years old now, which is crazy. Crazy. Um, it's really interesting because you know a lot of people say that they're the birth of heavy metal. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so the struggles that they're going through just to get their stuff out there, yeah. just to get people, you know, everyone wanted to listen to it. But the producers and, you know, the record companies, they're like, what is this? Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's been a fight for musicians forever as right. far as, like, we have this music, we have millions, of you know, even thousands of people listening, and record companies are just like, no, you know, nah, I, don't I don't like so. it. Or, you know, or it's like, you know, we'll do it, but you know what, we're going we're gonna to put a dance track on there. And we're also going to do a, a spoken word uh, title track on there as well. So if you do those two, then we'll put you on a label and you know put a record out. It's all about control. Yeah, oh, yeah. Which is now why I know we've talked to this, but, about this before, but all these streaming services are, are great for artists. SoundCloud is the best. SoundCloud is the best. <laughs> I love being <laughs> yeah. on SoundCloud. I think the sound is crystal I'm clear. I'm a SoundCloud more artist. Than, more than any other uh, streaming service <laughs> one can listen to content on. Well, thanks, well, thanks, SoundCloud. <laughs> We, we are not sponsored by SoundCloud, by the way. No paid sponsor. We are, we are not sponsored by SoundCloud. We do not. The this episode was not brought SoundCloud. to you by SoundCloud. We're not, SoundCloud. We're not liable for anything. Um, but it, it's cool hearing these stories about like all the struggle that I went through it's to put out something that is amazing. Um, so that so that's pretty cool to see. Um, but moving on, um, we were talking about Paul Simon. We are. I'm going to hold you off on that because we're going to do a little update. Because if you listened last week... Give it to me. Which we know you did, Lexi. Talking to you. Um, ben was not here last week. MIA. He was MIA. Third world democracy. Indeed he was. No funny business, Ben. But where were you at? How did it go? Give us the updates on everything. Well, I was uh, down south in Mexico. Mexico. Cancun, specifically. Uh, it was great. Um, spent... Uh, nine days there. Um, yeah, you were gone for a while. Yeah, but it went back quickly. Always does. Always does. Yeah. Sipping a margarita. Um, Not like it does in the homeland. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, it goes by fast here, too. You can't tell on the show, but I got some sun. Um, Why are you so tan? <laughs> <laughs> I have an excuse this time. Right. Um, Sometimes uh, random women like to yell at Ben at parties. And ask him why he's so tan. Why I'm so tan? Why I'm so ugly? No, they don't. They don't ask all types of questions. One. Not the second one. The first one. Why, you, why are you glistening? But no, that's good to hear. I'm glad you had yeah. a good time. Glad to uh, be back. Send my regards cool. to Andrea. Thank you. I will. Um, I'm glad you can go down there and have a good time. Come back relaxed, refreshed, and give one hell of a podcast performance. We're expecting a lot out of you, Ben. 
I'm here. You, you gotta pick up a lot of slack that Tom is leaving. I leave a lot of slack, so it needs to be picked up. You stop slacklining, Tom. No, no, I won't. That's what that's what gives Ben purpose. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening. All right, so we're gonna talk about Paul Simon, but first. We're going to talk about a Paul Simon collaborator, Joseph Shabalala, a founding member of the South African male choral a cappella group Lady Smith Black Mombaza. He died uh, this Tuesday on February 11th. So you can hear Joseph, Joseph Shabalala, on the songs, on the diamonds of the soles of her shoes, Homeless, and uh, that's all. You're going to hear those two songs off of the Paul Simon's Graceland album, which they both co wrote. Um, Joseph formed Lady Smith, Black Mombasa, um, in 1960, and basically he chose that name. It's a, it's a different name, you know. He's, he's Zulu. He's from you know South Africa. Yeah. Um, so the name means Lady Smith is the name of, like their hometown, their home like county and area. Um, black is they are predominantly black. Yeah, yeah. That is what you know. That's their uh, black citizens of South Africa. And then Mombazo means axe. So they chose Axe because they were chopping down the other core, the other choirs, and beating them in competition. Okay. So they were like, they were to a, a core, you know, a friendly competition yeah. of singing. They're they, like, we'll, they, we'll chop you down. They weren't actually chopping them up. No, right? no, they're just a great. They're great. They're they were they were really good. But um, Shabalala rose to global fame after appearing on Paul Simon's sixth solo album, Graceland, which was re- released on August of 1986. Um, this album is mainly uh, African-themed music with many bongos. Of course, the choirs in the background, a lot of horns. And it's a really phenomenal album. I really enjoy the sound. It's very uh, relaxing sound. Honestly, reminds me of this, like, just on, like, going on vacation and yeah. just, like, relaxing. It, it's, a, it's a very... Yeah, I gave it a listen to, and, and, you know, I like I knew, like, Paul Simon's hits, but I didn't mm-hmm. know... Like, this album is really good. Okay. I listened to it yesterday, then all day today as well. Um, it is. Again, that's Paul Simon's... Uh, Graceland album, um, but a year later, a group, the group aforementioned Ladysmith Black Mombaza won their first gra- Grammy from their album Shaku Zulu, and that was in 1987. Immediately after the release of Graceland, so, so they won their own album. Uh, yes, Grammy. their own Grammy. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, for their own album. But uh, Joseph Shabalala was 78 years old, and so it's definitely tragic him passing. But uh, you know, had a lot of good time, a lot of hits, and yeah, a lot of publicity. Yeah, he because uh, that that group was on. Um, uh, I think it was a track called "Homeless" on the mm-hmm. Graceland. Yep, but that was that's it's it is because they like Tom said it, it is very heavily African themed. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that song out of all of them was the most like very like choir chants and like uh, it, it's it's a great great song. It is. It's 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 really good stuff. I really enjoy it. I can't recommend it enough. But we're gonna kind of transfer this. Joseph Shabala into that Graceland album and talking about Paul Simon. So Paul Simon is also known for singing alongside Art Garfunkel and the folk rock duo Simon and Garfunkel. Um, I always like it. Simon and Garfunkel on Hall and Oates, like yeah, in the yeah. same <laughs> categories. Like uh, Simon and Oates, like they can get some sort of a crossover. I'd be down to pay attention. That'd be um, interesting. It would be interesting. I don't know how it sounds. Super pop, the super like folk rock. It could be exciting. But kind of the main things I want to talk about today about Paul Simon and this Graceland album is the significance of this album that it had on the world's culture, especially with apartheid in South Africa. Um, I want to talk about like the making of this album and then the commercial success of Graceland. And just a side note, they had five singles coming out with this album, which is 
kind of insane. Yeah. Kalat may have yeah. one, maybe, maybe two. two. Have we seen three, but this had five. It's, that's how also, great. I mean, there weren't that many is. tracks on the album either. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's like I think there's twelve tracks right, on there, yeah. so five of those are singles. You know, it's like okay, all hits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. It's, it's you just can't go wrong with. Yeah, that's it. pretty crazy. It's it's a great album. I can't say it enough. But Paul Simon had an incredible amount of sex, a success, and it's sex. I'm sure you know he's Paul Simon, but tremendous, tre- <laughs> an incredible amount of success with Art Garfunkel. They've been referred to as the most successful folk rock duo of all time. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1990, and then Paul Simon was inducted as a solo artist in 2001. But nothing quite compares to the groundbreaking and original album that is Graceland. But first thing we want to talk about, the cultural significance of creating the album Graceland. So, again, saying it, released, it was released in the final years of Apartheid. It was released in uh, 1986, kind of 1987 when it got uh, big. Um, and a quote I wanted to talk about, kind of to mention, or just the significance of Paul Simon actually going to South Africa and recording this album. But this is from, this is a quote from a Rolling Stone article by Jordan Runtog. Um, Simon had ventured to South Africa to record the album with local musicians, ignoring all or ignoring an international boycott set in place by the United Nations uh, anti-apartheid committee. I cannot speak today, people. We all have our days. Sorry, everybody listening, Lexi. But Paul Simon later says, uh, what gives the government the right to wear the cloak of morality? He railed at the time. Uh, The morality comes out of a barrel of a gun. So what he's saying, why? Why should they be the one to tell you how to fix these these issues in society when all they're going to do is try to aim a gun? He's yeah. going to use music to try to fix these problems, which, you know, they kind of, it was really kind of fixed down there. Like apartheid ended eventually. And when was, did apartheid end? It ended in 1994. 1994. Um, but Paul Simon's way to bring change and equality goes to uh, to this backwards thinking country like South Africa through music is, is a really cool thing to look at. Uh, compared to you know the un or some government telling you what to do you can yeah, take it in your own hands it's also just a different way of looking at things mm-hmm. but another quote i want to talk about with this album album is andrew Leahy of american songwriter said graceland was never just a collection of songs after all it was a bridge between cultures genres and continents not to mention a global launching pad for the musicians whose popularity had been suppressed under south africa's white uh, white run apartheid rule and again that was a uh, Andrew Leahy from American Songwriter. But, you know, you have all these talented artists, these black citizen artists, yeah. and being suppressed by this government. And Paul Simon coming up and saying, I don't care about your rules. I don't care what the UN's saying. You guys are really talented. I'm going to put you out there and make you big and the right as you should be. Because after this, again, we talked about this Graceland album coming out in 1986. And the year prior to this, uh, a black artist from South Africa wins a, wins Grammy, a Grammy, which was unheard of at the time. Yeah. So. You know, it's really it's really cool to look at, but kind of the U.S. did nothing to intervene with this apartheid. Oh, yeah. um, kind of was why that is. It was established in the 1940s. Um, that was worrying about the rise of communism. So oh, they didn't yeah. want to kind of like change anything in this country. They knew it was stable. They didn't so want to they, pile they, on They didn't want to mess anything else. They don't yeah. want to lose another country to communism. So that was... That was what everybody was worried about in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So they just they just let it be. What a time. Let yeah, them do their thing. It was on the back burner. Yeah. Uh, but like we just mentioned before, apartheid ended in 1994, 
with the formation of a democratic government and the election of South Africa's first black president, Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's really impressive that those artists down there, you know, they were willing to take part in it, even though it was against the law. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't know if anything would come from it or maybe negative things would happen. Oh, yeah, that, that's, you know? a, that's a huge there risk. ramifications um, right. for you, them getting into it. You want change, you know. Right, you gotta take risks. Cause, yeah, because you, know? you know they're being put on a platform where a lot of people are gonna, you know, it's not, you know, it, you know, a show that they're doing in a, a living room that five people are gonna see. You know, mm-hmm. you know a whole country's gonna listen to it. So, right. And another point, I was gonna talk here a little bit, but uh, they had curfews for the black mm-hmm. citizens of South Africa. So, uh, Paul Simon had a lot of issues recording with these artists because oh, they yeah. had to be home by five, and you. You were yeah. starting recording whatever time. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times you want to keep working, but they can't. And then these these citizens are stressed because they don't want to be on the street and caught. They can't get a ride home. So it's just, it's an ad for stressful Crazy. recordings. Yeah. Um, but historically, I, I think it's always been healthier and more beneficial for a country to improve and change their culture from within rather than like an outside country intervening like the United States. So we, <laughs> there's we, countless we, times, we countless, have a history of countless examples of countries interfering with other countries, trying to make them better, but only making them worse. So South Africa is a very prosperous country. Um, equality you know, reigns there, reigns queen there. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 a great place to be now, but it was not the case really not that long no, ago. definitely not. It's right. done like a complete 180. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how fast they... They just change. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's yeah, the past, you know. So it's 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 pretty impressive. Yeah, we'll bury it. Uh, come on right. over. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good to bury the past, though. It is. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely is. But the second point I want to talk about was kind of the making of the Graceland album. Again, that's Paul Simon's Graceland album. Uh, if you know about Graceland in Memphis, Tennessee, it's the mansion where Elvis lived and is also the location of his grave. It's now a historical or a national historical landmark and a museum. Graceland is the second most visited house in America after the White House. White House? Yeah, oh. yeah, of course. Which I've never been. I think that'd be super cool to go to the White House and Graceland. And I've never been to the White House? Well, never inside. Oh. Yeah. I would love to be in, you know. I inside. have. <laughs> yeah. oh, and that, that would be a good time for the crickets. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, that, that sound effect does not work on my application. That's on you. But no, visiting Graceland would be awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I kind of looked up, I was thinking, like, why is this album called Graceland? So in this album, there's a, the title track, Graceland, but why he felt to make that the title of the album. Um, Paul Simon felt it sounded exactly like a song where you would hear recorded from Sun Records back in the 1950s with Elvis, Roy Orbison, Johnny Cash, just kind of with this oh, yeah. kind of running sound. Um, and there's actually a video or a audio video that we saw on, or listened to on Spotify that kind of explains it a little bit more. Um, so it, it's it's really cool. It's just a song about his journey, uh, Paul Simon's journey, driving from Mississippi, going up to Graceland. He's like, I just kept hearing this Graceland, and it had to yeah. like write a song about it. This is kind of like just his journey going to Graceland. So yeah, I like how literal he is, you know, yes. about it. Yeah, he yeah, just yeah. he just describing his trip from Memphis to Graceland, you know, and and you can hear it, and and th- that's just kind of what that music's about. Um, yeah, you know, people can relate to it. It's not just some crazy mm-hmm. like. I got hooves. Like, you know. <laughs> I cannot relate to that one. Yeah, so. no. yeah I mean, like a lot of the music back then, it's so good just because like they're basing things off of just like, but like not even it doesn't have to be experience of like I went through a depression or anything like that. Like you know, music can come with that, but you know, he's dr- he's on a road trip yeah. and he's just like, this is what I feel like this is gonna sound like. Um, so it's cool doing. Um, that happened with uh, the Eagles, uh, the uh, the song of Fast Lane. 
Life in the fast lane. Life in the fast lane, yeah, yeah. Riding with a drug dealer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Driving 90 miles an hour on some road, and it's like, man, why are you driving so fast? He's like, yeah. life in the fast yeah. lane. He's like, oh, man, yeah, that's, no. a, that's a song title right yeah. there. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, I kind of think, I was talking about Ben, talking to Ben about this earlier, um, why why that is the title track, because we look at it as like a journey, and this making this album was a journey, because yeah. we had to travel from South Africa, you know, you even traveled to as we just talked about Memphis, Graceland, and also New York. So maybe just encompassing the whole journey. Also just like an emotional journey as well, yeah. especially dealing with stuff in... Dealing with this, uh, you know, politi- Afri- these yeah, political Africa's issues. going through a journey. Yeah. yeah. Changing their <clears throat> political policy of, of apartheid, you know? Yeah. yeah, the legal segregation of <clears throat> two different races. But talking about the Graceland uh, track, there was a surprise celebrity guest on that track, and they had he had the Everly Brothers singing in the background. That's awesome. Of that song. I love, yeah. I love the Everly Brothers. Yeah. No, they're really good. Um, there's another surprise uh, addition on one of the songs. It's Under African Skies. He has Linda Ronstad singing in the background on that oh, one. Oh, really? Yeah. And she's the, you know, the big country star yeah. from the from the 1970s. Um, Is she... Are the Everly Brothers like in everything? Are they credited on the song? I haven't seen anything. That's, I haven't that's, seen anything, but we just... Just because he talked about it. That's what I love mm-hmm. about... Like some of these artists, you know, they don't, they just want to make music. Yeah. And I had to dig to find the Linda Rotstad thing. Yeah. That's so cool. It's not next to the song. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, just helping a buddy out. Like, yeah, Yeah. you know, like, you know, I don't want anything from this. Yeah. And I really like Under African Skies. It's a really good song. It is a really good song. Um, Well, you said that Everly Buzz were were on Graceland. They were on the Graceland, the title track. Yeah. But adding, uh, adding Linda, Linda Rotstad was a very controversial move for Paul Simon back then because. Again, we talked about UN had these sanctions or these, uh, you know, forbode you from performing in South Africa, and she said, "I don't care." So in 1983, yeah. she re- performed a concert in South Africa, and so just three years later, record another uh, kind of on this album, basing it out of yeah. that, you know South Africa. So people didn't like that. Paul Simon was okay with it, and just like history, it goes away to the side. Yeah, no, nobody cares about it. It's all it's all great. Linda Ronstadt's great, and we're glad she was on the album. But we talked about this earlier as well, um, just flying around jo- Johannesburg and New York. Like, mm-hmm. Paul Simon couldn't finish it in one place because of restrictions. So he actually, when going to New York City, he actually hired and paid for the flights for all these African musicians oh, yeah. to come over. And then he paid them very well because yeah. he really cared and he wanted them to Se- work. Seems like a good guy. Th- they had <laughs> they had no idea who Paul Simon was. And I was yeah. like, oh, Paul Simon this yeah. is- they're like okay, it's just some random just guy. Some guy who it's like, hey, wants to I want to make music, you know? Right. So it was. It's really cool um, that he was willing to do all that and spend that kind of money. Yeah. And for them, yeah, that's they, crazy. Flying, jeez, flying all those guys over. Yeah. No, I mean, it's completely worth it. Uh, oh, yeah. Something, something great came out of it. It's a great album. Again, it just it bonded, you know, the world together uh, to kind of see this. You know, these issues of apartheid and suppressing these people like why would you do that in any and it all changes for the better but next point i want to talk about the commercial success of the album graceland like we talked about uh they released five singles for this album so they released it in the order of so the first release was you can call me al that was the first yeah. single they released so that's that's the 
that's the track. Yeah, that's, that's the, the biggest track, hit. Yeah, that's the track that everybody knows. Everyone's heard it. You yeah. hear that? That's that is a hit right there. They got a bass solo in yeah. it. Yeah. You can just jam to. I don't know a person that doesn't like it. No, no yeah, no. no. It, it gets you moving. That's they, what, they got they got uh, uh, Chevy Chase in the music video. Right. That's what I want to talk about with the music video. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to mention these other uh, singles oh, they yeah, released, yeah, yeah. and then we'll get to talking about more about you can call me out. But that's my. That was my favorite song in high school. I played it all the time. Played it on my radio shows. Tommy tunes. It's the Tommy tune for sure. Just yeah, jamming all the time. But there's uh, second single was Graceland. Third was the Boy in the Bubble, which is the first first yeah. song on the album. Again, fourth is Diamond on the Soles of Her Shoes, which is the second song I knew. Uh, like a Paul Simon's like yeah. solo work. I was like, you know, you can call me out. And Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. You also know like Kodachrome. Or me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Those are the top me, ones I knew. Me and Julio down by the, yeah. The, yeah, I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah, that's, then, a great, that's a great one. And the fifth one, you know, the Linda Ronstadt song, mm. Under African Skies. Under African Skies. Okay. Uh, so it's it, it, they just continued like that. Under African Skies, the release is a single a year after the album. So they just kept. Oh really? Yeah, they kept come pumping them out. Did any other? Did any others? Or was it, it was just the Under African Skies that released after? So they all were like, album was released August of 1986, yeah. and September they released. You can call that, me out like after the fact, yeah, yeah. which is the opposite of kind of how they do it yeah. now. They're just like, this song's so good. <laughs> right. Uh, so you already of, got the album, but yeah, uh, yeah, here's, yeah. Not, here's the single here, again. Here are the 45s you can have. Yeah. 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 yeah so, but if they made a lot of money and it's, uh, it's good. So they, they sold actually 6 million albums within the first year. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Um, they won two Grammys, one for album of the year and the other for record of the year. One in 1987, 1988. I don't know how they. <laughs> factor this or what the difference is <laughs> to album of the year or record of the year but they did it they get so they got they got two grammys and were nominated for two others but, yeah because those two categories are t- are a part of the big four mm-hmm. um like best new artist best record album and then, and then uh song of the year as well billy eilish she wants she want them all basically she uh, she had well i heard she had to leave the uh the Grammys with a shopping cart for all the rewards. Uh, yeah. yeah, shopping cart and a surgical mask. Yeah, that is, again, it's in right now. Yeah. <laughs> the Corona look. Yeah, I, I may need one soon. Oh, no, Chris. Stay away from us. <sighs> but You Can Call Me Out, one of Simon's biggest hits from his solo career. Uh, I want to talk about just that song, kind of his inspirations for it. So he was inspired. He went to a party with his wife, and this, uh, he knew this record producer was there, but the record producer didn't remember his name. So he was call. They were calling Paul Simon Al, and they were calling his wife Peggy Harper Betty. Oh man! So basically, you know, they called him the names the entire party. So it gave him inspiration for yeah. the song "You Can Call Me Al." And if you know the lyrics, obviously the title track is Al, and then uh, in the lyrics, a little bat faced girl, yeah, like Betty, Betty, little bat faced girl. Um, so it, it's crazy how something minuscule as that can give you inspirations to write. A great song. Well, another thing I noticed about Paul about this album is that Paul Simon's songs on this album it it sounds like he's just like reading a story, and you know he's definitely telling a story, but it's it, it's just in a different it's just in a format of like I'm just like he's just reading from a book mm-hmm. as far as you know as far as the story is telling. So you kind of view it as like a concept album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's. Cool because you know he got all of these ideas and these um, these lyrics from whether it's a road trip or at a party and you know these events happened, um, so that's that's that was pretty cool as far as like listening to that album. Yeah, I, I feel like both are very relatable as yeah, an album yeah. you can relate to because we've all been called the wrong name. A lot of people like to call me John. Yeah, and, you know, it's Tom. You look like a John. Yeah, I'll take it. But that you know it happens. Whatever, you just kind of go with the flow. No skin off my, you know what. 
Back. Oh, back. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Neck. Yeah, neither. No skin off anywhere. Nothing. But with the You Can Call Me Out, we can talk about the music video. Mm-hmm. So Paul Simon is joined with Chevy Chase, who is singing along all the lyrics of with uh, Paul Simon, much to Simon's dismay. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty funny music video. Uh, it was actually... Lauren Michaels actually created this. Oh, really? Who is the kind of creator, you know, executive producer of Saturday Night Live. Live, They came up with the idea for the music video. There was one first idea where they wanted to record Paul Simon. He was doing his monologue when he hosted Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Recording it from the monitor. I don't, you know, with the music incorporated somehow, but Paul Simon hated it. Yeah. So they they, (laughs) threw that one out. No, thank you. And then they chose to watch this. And you can watch it on YouTube. Again, it has has over 70 million views. It's so good. On YouTube. It's It's a... it's a great music. Have you seen it, Ben? I have. Yeah, it's just Paul it's Simon. Ones. Yeah, Paul Simon, Chevy Chase. It's so basic, just yeah, in yeah. a pink room. Just sitting, sitting, in, sitting down. Just... And yeah, they both sit down, and like Paul Simon's going to start singing, and then Chevy Chase just yeah. starts singing and kind of just dominates Paul Simon in the whole music video. It's, it's really funny. I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, basically, the, uh, the historical cultural combining album did so much more than become a commercial and professional success for Graceland. Um, I, I just really enjoy this album because how entertained i am by it like it's just you get up i can't help but get up and move around yeah and enjoy yeah, yeah. it and it, it i always it's really impressive just how people have rules and don't follow them like government un yeah they do this you can't do this it's like no i can do whatever i want yeah and, I'm gonna... and, and you let people be who they're going to be things usually work out better yeah. in the end so that's why that's why i really like it again the whole equality and prosperity of like south africa and the world just I mean, I, I, that's why I really like it. It's, it's more than just an album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. It's got a great sound, you know, kind of like a bluegrass, uh, yeah. uppity, um, you know. And w- one thing that I was impressed, uh, you can listen on Spotify to the, the track, but mm-hmm. he, he was talking about the, the keys that was written in. And most yeah. all of it's written in a, a major key, not yeah. a minor key. So yeah. that, that, that contributes to it a lot. Yeah, that, that little tidbit at the end uh, of him talking about the album is really, really interesting mm-hmm. and, and really cool that, he did that as well. Worth the listen. Yeah, it is. The point we just said, the major keys, it was really funny with the uh, choir group, uh, Lady Smith, Black Mombasa. I guess they don't know any minor keys. They only oh, yeah. sang major keys. <laughs> right. So Paul Simon was like, hey, can you sing this minor key? And they were like, play the note. Like, Not and they're like, no. <laughs> no, they, they couldn't do it. I don't know. It's, it, I just thought it was pretty funny. They yeah. they know what they know, and they do it really well. Yeah, And they actually tour. Because they have, it's just kind of like new oh, group. Yeah. It's a big group. Yeah, yeah. Black, yeah. Uh, Lady Smith, Black Mombasa. Because they're uh, so. Is, so it's a choir group. Choir group, yeah, like acapella. So there's like fifty or sixty of them. I don't know the exact <laughs> numbers. There's a lot of them though. Um, and uh, Joseph Shabalala, he he formed it, and it's just still running and touring. And they play, you know, they play their heads. I'm sure they play the Paul Simon songs. Uh, I'm sure it'd be a great show to see. I'm more into music and jamming, you know, rocking. Absolutely, but. I'll listen to this album. That's for sure. That is for sure. But wait, what are they called? <laughs> Lady Smith. Oh, okay. Black Mambazo. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit lengthy of a name. Yeah, I looked up uh, Lady Mambas, <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of Kobe Bryant stuff. Yeah, came up. yeah, the Kobe like, stuff. No, this is not like what I want. Not your time. Um. Oh yeah, they got a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one. <laughs> All right. They got about like twenty people. 
Yeah, that's you got it. Acapella, you got to have the, you know, the high, the low, tenors, the altos, baritones. <laughs> Is that it, Ben? Hmm? I don't know. Bass? Bass, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, there's a lot of bass on that album, too, which I love. Yeah. Ben's Ben's into the bass. Ben's a bass man. A bass man. Basement. In the basement? In yes. the basement. The bass man in the basement. We, yeah. One in the same. We get a basement in the basement. All right, all right, all, all right. right. What's going uh, on here? Chris, do you have anything to update the uh, listeners? I could be sick. Ongoing, ongoings? My throat hurts. I'm hoping it's not strep. You're going you're gonna to listen to this and be like, yeah, I, I shouldn't have said that. I regret yeah. what I'm saying. I always ask you, like, how are you doing? Or what, what, any updates? And be like, <laughs> school sucks. This, this, is, this is published, and then it's, uh, it breaks to a, a headline. Uh, coronavirus outbreak in, in yeah, Alexandria, in a, Virginia. In a basement. <laughs> yeah. Epicenter. Guys, we're quarantined down here. We're quarantined, nonstop recording. Uh, but no, uh, other than that, life's been good. I'm glad to hear it. Can't glad complain. To hear it. Well, one thing that I've noticed is uh two of the artists that we have talked about previously have released new tour dates uh one's lindsey buckingham um he's having his first tour since his open heart surgery about a year ago um and i don't know if you guys remember the news around that one but uh it was apparently his vocal cords were damaged yeah i do remember hearing that and i was concerned because there's we, a lot of concern. We yeah. love Lindsey Buckingham and love his hits and love his voice. Also, surgery on vocal cords, it is not great. <laughs> no, no. Usually, usually doesn't work out too well. But yeah, apparently, I guess uh, this went well. Uh, he's he's done a couple performances uh, in between. Um, uh, I know one was at his uh, daughter's high school, or something. I, I would love to be there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, just to see him perform, not because of high school or yeah. anything. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Just to see him perform <laughs> on, on such a small venue, Don't that would like just be schools. that would just be really cool and yeah. exciting. But anyways, uh, so he, he's doing a tour. Um, it's going for um, April twenty fifth to May thirteenth. Uh, so just okay. a little short one. Yeah, short yeah, one. Um, I mean, these guys are getting old. You know, we don't just take it easy, nice yeah. and easy. Uh, but the the tickets went on sale yesterday on Valentine's Day. Um, oh. I don't know if that has anything to do with you know it's the day of hearts and open heart that surgery. Is, that, is, that is good. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that is, that's good, man. I like that connection. Uh, yeah, um, basic, basically, uh, if you want to see it and you're here in the Virginia area, you're gonna have to travel because uh, the closest places are in Memphis and Knoxville, Tennessee, oh. um, in May. And then you can visit Graceland when yeah. you're there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, just do the whole tour, and then. Even better, you can write a song about your trip from Virginia to Graceland. Absolutely, leaving, leaving Virginia. That might be a long song. Andrew in Tennessee. Could, yeah, that's a song. That's it. Can that's it. <laughs> fill one of the Black Sabbath jamming sessions oh, yeah. with yeah. lyrics. Yeah, not, not a race, guys. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it. It's good that he's getting back out there um, and going to be performing his hits, um, especially. After we we've heard about the the news with Fleetwood Mac, you yeah. know how he's not going to be coming back. We we already did that, but been there, done that. Is he? So I guess he's just doing a solo. Yeah, it's just a solo tour. Yeah, I don't know if he plays just yeah. his solo stuff yeah, or if it... he plays the hits. Yeah, from Fleetwood Mac. I would love to play wondering. some Fleetwood Mac hits because you're not going to hear him anywhere else. Yeah, I feel no. like I think it depends on the rights. You know, if he has the rights to right. play them or not. Oh, yeah, I feel like he should if there's a vote. I got my Tom's hand. I got, voting for I got my hand up. Yeah. But <laughs> cash my vote. Right. That's everybody vote now. But the the next group that I saw that was going on tour 
soon um, is Def Leppard and ZZ Top. Uh, Def Leppard's already been doing a lot of stuff, but uh, they're doing a 2020 Vision tour together. Yeah, they, they've been busy. I need yeah. some of that 2020 Vision. Yeah. My, my Vision is uh, <laughs> is piss poor. Uh, I, I mean, I'd have to say that that's a great name. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they already have a great band name, Def Leppard. Um, oh, I was like, ZZ Top. ZZ, like, <laughs> ZZ Top's great, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, for the tour, it's awesome. Uh, it's going to be yeah. 16 dates. Uh, t- tickets go on sale soon. Um February 21st for the open public. Uh, if you're part of the fan club, it's February 17th. Mm. Oh. Um, mm. We're not part of the fan club. Oh. Not cool enough. Well, you got to just pay that money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, somebody I know is a member of a lot of fan clubs. Yeah. Yeah. The, the guy who's supposed to be here. Oh, not present. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I imagine so. But th- this tour is yes. later in the year. Um, it's September 21st through October 18th, hmm. and they are actually coming a little bit closer. You could come see them at Virginia Beach, September 23rd. Not too bad. Will you be there, Chris, at that time? Probably not. Hmm. All right. I usually go in July. But it it was uh, it was funny because um, one of the members from Def Leppard, I forget the, the name, and I did not write it down, uh, but he was saying he's real excited to uh, tour with ZZ Top because uh, maybe he'll get to ride with uh billy gibbons in one of the fancy cars oh yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah. they uh they said they were fine with that and he doesn't have to pay for gas right um yeah billy gibbons the man but also uh def leppard um is going to be releasing the box set the early years uh march 20th it's the 40th anniversary of their debut album um and there's gonna be a lot of remasters, lots of B sides. Yeah. We like B sides. We love B sides. All and, about uh, the B sides. You know, a lot of live stuff and just stuff you you haven't you haven't heard or seen. So be looking forward to that. Yeah, it's really cool. Def Leppard's definitely had a busy year. Yeah. Uh, they're also touring with Motley Crue. Yeah. And I think I believe Joan Jett Joan is Jett's playing as well, too, and they're yeah. playing at Nationals Park this year. I believe it's over the summer. I'll get the exact. It's crazy. Date. All these albums are, you know, 40, 50 years old. It Still is insane. Hits. Yeah. yeah. No, August, a uh, Saturday, August twenty second. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Def Leppard with Poison. Yeah. I, I thought Joan Jett was. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I heard. Me. No, we heard on the radio. Ah, Joan Jett. I can't well. keep up with all these tours. No good. But Motley Crue, they just had like their final tour. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they're back. Just kidding. JK. Uh, but th- those are some great groups to see together. You know, ZZ Top, uh, Def Leppard, also Motley Crue and Def Leppard. You know, mm-hmm. if I had unlimited money, I would go and see both shows. Money yeah. is the issue. I, I still need to see ZZ Top. They tour a lot. They've been here quite a few times. I hear the way to see ZZ Top is to see them outside. So like a Jiffy Lube Live. Right. Or a, mm, other venues that are outside. Virginia Beach. Yeah, Virginia Beach. I'm sure it's outside. <laughs> They got like pyro, Mer- pyrotechnics or something. No, I just hear the environment. Oh, like because uh, like Billy Gibbons would be like smoking on stage, or he smokes oh, like multiple yeah. cigarettes <laughs> at one time. Just in his mouth just jamming. Um, it's just you could get away with a lot more outside. Uh, like when you saw Sammy Hagar outside, he he has a little bar up on the side, like oh, right in yeah, front of the yeah, drum. Yeah, he has yeah. all his tequila, and he had his bottle, and everybody had gla- cups on the front. He went around just dump. Tequila and all their cups, giving them some shots. Yeah, so it was like one of the coolest frontmen I've ever seen was Sammy Hagar. So I heard ZZ Top is really good. Um, so I definitely need to see them. Put it on the list. Ah, it's already on the list. There's it's all, on the bucket. There's list. all kinds of concerts that's coming up this summer that uh, I've been, somebody keeps wanting me to go, but I I don't have any money to <laughs> to do these trips. Hate to see it. No, it's there's so pretty many. soon. Bartender Tom. Yeah, yeah. Working Bartender for tips. Tom, yeah. <laughs> Extra hair in your in your <laughs> Any cup. tips, please? Tips. 
I want some more, please, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Have a jar out. Concert tickets. Yeah, that's my concert ticket yeah. fund. That's the only way I'll go. Uh, all right. But if you have any questions or comments, feel free to contact us on social media. Uh, ben, how can they contact you on social media to give you updates and we'll see what ask what's going on? You can contact me on Instagram. I'm bwaldron10. Very simple. Uh, I am it's that kid Chris uh, on Instagram. Kid is with two D's, and then on Twitter, I'm it that kid Chris. Oh, still two D's. I can never remember that. But <laughs> me uh, on Twitter, I'm at Tom J Ozio. Instagram at Tom Ozio. But I'm Tom. I'm I'm Ben. I'm Chris. <laughs> this has been talking rock in the basement. Uh, we'll see you next time.